Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, welcome to Horse Hour. I'm Amy Frost, and I'm thrilled to be back after two months off. We gave you the chance to catch up on over 250 episodes of the podcast and now we're here for series two. So today I'm joined by James Hitchin. He's from the Ideal Saddle Company and we're talking saddles. You know, it's not always easy trying to find the right type of saddle from a dressage saddle, a show jumping saddle, a GP saddle. What sort of saddle should you be looking for? So James gives us his three top tips. Plus, you could win an Ideal Saddle girth. So I hope you enjoy listening. This is Horse Hour. Welcome to the Horse Hour podcast. Now, I'm sorry I haven't been around for a couple of months, but I thought you've got so many episodes to listen to. I thought you needed a little bit of time to catch up on everything. So we've had a little break, and now we are back with a bang, talking about everything equestrian, from education to veterinary advice to our amazing riders and their journeys and stories. So today I'm joined by James Hitchin from Ideal Saddles. James, how are you? Yeah, very well. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. I I feel a bit of a super fan be- without <laughs> even realising that I was a super fan. And I'll, right. I'll, I'll briefly explain why. So okay. I am in love with my saddle. I mean, I, I, have, a, I have a dressage saddle yes. and I use it jumping. I use it hacking. I use it wherever. And people would say, no, you can never use your dressage saddle for anything else other than dressage. But it just, I feel like it holds me in. It's leather, it's black, it's beautiful. And I only paid £600 for it, which I thought was a bit of a bargain, considering most saddles are about three grand. Anyway, yeah. I had I bought my saddle five years ago when I first bought my horse. And it was right. because I didn't have a saddle. I, it was my first horse. I didn't know what I was looking for, James. I had no idea when it came to saddles that there was a, a GP and a, a jumping. And, you know, I had no idea. So I got the saddler out and said, okay. can you fit a saddle to my horse? And, and what do you have in the back of your van? And she came and had a look at Blackjack. And then she said, well, I've got this beautiful dressage saddle. Would you like to have a look? And it fitted perfectly. And I still oh. use it today. And right. it's a Jessica Pro Ideal Saddle. Oh, right. It's what, the, I mean, the Jessica Pro is one of our, still one of our leading selling uh, dressage saddles. And it? it's quite a broad frame of tree. So it fits across a multitude of sort of back shapes. Mm. Very good seller. Very good saddle. Well chosen. Well selected. Well chosen, considering <laughs> someone didn't have a clue what she was doing. I think she did quite well. Um, Not a bad start. <laughs> but honestly, I, I'm, I'm absolutely in love with it. And people, like I said, say, oh, no, you shouldn't use it for anything. But it's the comfort of the saddle that I just find, 
I feel safe in it. I feel like if I feel like I've got a little seatbelt on because it holds my bottom in. If you feel safe and secure and the horse goes well, why not use it for different disciplines? I, I don't have a problem with that. Oh, really? Oh, good. So I'm not breaking the rule book then? No, I don't think so. Somebody might say you are, but I wouldn't thought you were. <laughs> to be fair, he's a Frisian and so he's right. not. we're not great at jumping. So, you no. know, it's, we just do a little pop over a couple okay. of holes. So it's fine to use it for that. And I think most people don't want to use their really nice saddles for hacking because they don't want them to get ruined. No. Um, whilst I just love the comfort of it and, and the way that he moves. But I thought it was fascinating. And, and, I, and I kind of want to take you back to the moment that people first buy a horse yeah. and they don't really know what they're looking for and we have to trust our saddlers so much first of all we've got to make sure we've got the right saddler and that they're qualified and then we have to trust them that the saddle that they're providing us with is the best one for us and what we want to do yeah so for you do you go out to people and see them or or do you have a range of saddlers that you work with well we we um as a company are business to business so we supply the resellers the qualified saddle fitters the bricks and mortar shops who then come out to you um i mean i've been in this industry now probably nearly 25 years and and i've been seeing my fair share of horses and customers and i do think the poor saddle does get a bit of a bad reputation sometimes because you know, you, you, the saddle fitter is there to do a job and to sell a saddle or to do a fitting or a refitting. But, you know, it, the poor saddle gets blamed for all sorts of ills and wants. If, if it doesn't quite work, it's, the saddle gets blamed for it. So I think you have to put your trust in people. But there are some brilliant people out there that do a, a really good job. And I think as an industry, um, through the Society of Mass Saddlers, as qualified saddle fitters, you know, we we are, we do set some high standards now, and it's a high bar to get to be to become qualified. And then you have to do CPDs per year to maintain your qualification. Now, so that's, you, that's, you know, uh, sorry, CPD. That's continual personal development, professional development. Thank you. You know, there are, there are excellent people. There are some obviously people that aren't so good, and um, but by and large, the way from where it from where I saw it sort of twenty odd years ago to where saddle fitting is today it's an entirely in two different places and the, the horse is first and then the rider is second um but you know we always we we look to fit the horse and make sure that the rider is then super comfortable in, in whatever saddle whatever discipline they're riding in so mm. well the saddles help me get my leg in the right position because it's got these little lumps on the side i think they're called knee blocks on the knee side blocks. Yep, yeah yeah and um and it's great because i know that my leg and my bottom is hurting a lot which means that my <laughs> leg's in the right place <laughs> yeah it's doing, it's doing a good job it is yeah and it's you know five years later it's it's still it's still working now and it's still really comfortable and i do get the saddler out every year and we just double check because blackjack was a youngster when i bought him yeah. he was four okay. So his shape has changed tremendously. And I think it's quite incredible that a a saddle that I bought five years ago when he was four can still fit him now just with a little bit of reflocking. Yeah. I mean, the average life cycle of of a saddle, people turn over saddles about three to four years, typically from the research we've done. But, you know, if you get a good saddle and it's well fitted, it can grow and develop with your horse. You don't have to, you know, have a saddle and then chuck it away just because your horse grows. I mean, horses change within the year, within season due to fitness levels and you'd expect a saddle not to fit as well in 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 you know in in winter as, as it does in the summer because fitness levels do change and the way that you work your horse does change so it's not a panic stations it's just you know calling out your professional as you do once a year or twice a year i think the sms sort of advocate and just work with it and take a you know 
a sensible, pragmatic approach. Don't panic, Mr. Manning, if, mm. if something's not quite right. Mm. I think probably if I rode much more and um, and we were competing, then I'd have the saddler out more. But yeah. the reason for me, because I feel like now I feel like I need to defend the fact the SMS say they've got to have him twice a year and I only have him once. But um, I think it's because he's, he's, he's at a stage now where we don't really change the way that we train or we ride. It's the same throughout, you know, winter, summer, and it's not a lot. I think I think having it checked once a year is is excellent, and I think if you look across the the whole uh, the, the the riding public, I imagine quite a lot of them don't get it checked once a year, even from from my experiences, direct experiences. So I think you're doing a good job there. Oh, thank you. Well, James, I think you're right. The saddles do get a bad press, and I think it's great that we are looking at the horse first and the rider second. And yeah. it would be interesting, I think, if there was more focus on getting the saddle checks more, then maybe we'd have less back problems. And did you hear the research um, from Professor Sue Dyson at the National Equine Forum this year, right. where she was talking about tack fitting and the impact right. that that has on a horse? It can have a direct effect. I, I'm not sure I, I saw that uh, the article, but I mean, tack fitting does have a direct correlation with how the horse goes, definitely. Mm. And I'm presuming it can help their performance as well, because if it's fitting incorrectly, for example, I was having an issue where Blackjack's front legs weren't moving, they weren't extending as much as they could when he was in yeah. the field, and it was because the saddle was holding, it was holding his shoulders back a little bit. It was a bit tight. Yeah, a bit um, tight. And once it was fitted properly and better he was extending beautifully and I, I couldn't believe the freedom that he had I think if you if you you have to draw some sort of comparisons with with humans and if you if you uh, I always say like if you're carrying a rucksack where if you know you go walking carrying a rucksack if you carry it well you know you, you can move your limbs but if you're carrying a rucksack and it's down by your, your backside and it sort of impinges how you how you move well similarly to a horse if if you you know the, the the points of the saddle tree which come down either side is sort of lot is fits to the to the horse's shoulder. If they're too tight and running into the shoulder, it sort of locks the shoulder in a little bit. So physically, almost prevents the horse from extending their fore. So just by releasing that the the front of the points and widening them at a touch, as you say, would just release the shoulder and, and the horse will take a big sigh of relief and be able to extend. Simple things like that can make a big difference. So getting the saddles checked and by professionals, then uh, they should be able to identify this with, with the tracings and templates. And, you, you, you know, the frame of the horse will change. And just by tweaking things, reflocking things can, can make quite a significant difference. Mm. Well, you said that you've been in the industry for 25 years. So I feel yeah. like we have an expert who's going to give us some education today. Oh, but, I don't know about um, that. <laughs> but, but Ideal, has, Ideal Saddles has a bit of a fascinating history, doesn't it? Can you talk us through it? Yeah, I mean the the ideal saddle company um, was was sort of dates its heritage back to sort of nineteen forty eight through water riding. The current business, um, the current three owners, uh, Steve Marks, Rob Lugston, uh, Sean Marsland, got involved in the in eighty six was when they first got involved. Previously to that, the ideal saddle company was owned by a saddler called Stafford Clark back in the the fifties and sixties. Um, it had a bit of a tumultuous um, beginning and then it, it sort of went away a little bit. I think it was going into administration at that time in the 80s. And then Steve Marks came in, uh, sort of rescued it uh, with Roy Hart, Sean, and they drove the, the business on. And now it's it's owned still by by, by Steve, um, Steve Marks, his uh, uh, son, 
uh, Rob Lugston and uh, Sean Marsland, who's the production director, three directors. Um, in 2006, they bought another company, a very famous company called Warsaw Riding Saddle Company, that in itself was a saddle company that went back to the 1940s and so created the company Ideal Saddle, uh, Ideal and WRS Company Limited, to which it remains today manufacturing over two manufacturing sites. We've got nearly 70 employees producing over 100 saddles a week, week in, week wow. out. Wow, that's incredible. And to think, you know, in the to think that it nearly went bust and we nearly lost that. And I love the heritage with saddles. You know, it's, it's a bit like the farrier in the equestrian industry. It's, it's very much how it was, you know, 70 years ago. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of heritage. Funnily enough, we're, we're, Warsaw is getting together. It's quite good at this point that, that we're talking because Warsaw is actually pulling itself together. Um, we're trying to create a Warsaw, well, no, we're not trying, we are creating a Warsaw Leather Forum ju- with regards to the saddlery industry of Warsaw and also the other, le- the other leather industries of Warsaw, which is super famous. Massive years, hundreds of years of, of heritage and history, but still going strong. And we're, we're trying to make sure that we beat the drum for and lay down a legacy for the next generation. Um, people associate saddlery, you know, with really old t- old types of work and, and, and craft skills, but there's modern day manufacturing practices now. We've got the computer generated cutting machine here. The processes are broken down into production, modern day production processes. Everything's generated by computer order systems. So although it's a handcrafted product, there's a lot of tech that goes into creating saddles these days. Mm. I've got to ask you, leather is one of the main things that we use for saddles. So yeah. do you create synthetic saddles? And um, what do you think about them? No, we don't. We're, we're strictly a, a, a leather uh, manufacturer. So we use, we've use we used hides, different types of hides all our, all our lives. Most uh, manufacturers in Warsaw are traditional leather uh, saddlers. Um, synthetics, no. I mean, they're, you know, they probably believe the two biggest companies in our industry producing saddles is, is Wintech out of Australia and um, uh, Fairfax and Aether are good out, out of Warsaw who largely base their business model manufacturing synthetic saddles. They, they're, they're excellent. I've got absolutely no problem with synthetic saddles. They, they hit a market niche. They, they're durable. Um, they're adjustable for, for horses' backs. So they absolutely have a place in our market. No question. That's interesting because, you know, you hear lots of rumours um, and one of them was that it couldn't it couldn't deal with the horse's heat so much. You know, the sweat and the, the leather one was just more suitable for the horse's back. I think leather saddles have been around. We've got a, a leather saddle here um, that dates from about 550 years ago. It's a North African moor saddle. And even then it was made out of leather and wood. So we know that leather and wood, um, from historical evidence and empirical evidence, has stood the test of time. Modern day synthetics. I think when they first came out, they were quite slippy. The synthetic, the the, the synthetic materials from what we saw. Um, I'm not sure about heat transfer and friction, but I imagine it due to friction on the horse's back might might cause the heat more. But I think the modern day ones. I think you probably if you went to Fairfax and spoke to Rupert or, or Vanessa Fairfax, they'll probably say that they're, they're, the split of how many leather saddles they're making to synthetic saddles is probably more towards leather now than mm. synthetic. I'm just guessing, but. That would be my thoughts. Hmm. Oh, well, it's good that you get on with your competitors because I don't think I'd be talking to them if I <laughs> if I had a saddle company. I think I'd be like, oh, no, you're my competitor. But um, 
But do you do you all with science and research? Is there an element where you work together, even though you're competitors? The Society of Master Saddlers sort of share their their scientific research that they do. There's quite a lot of stuff done with plants these days on pressure testing. We've done our own stuff. Fairfax do that quite a lot. So there is some there is some sharing. But at the end of the day, you know, you need to have a competitive advantage and unique selling propositions. So. You, you do keep your cards close to your chest in some ways, but mm. we, we as a manufacturer, we supply a lot of the saddle trees, the wooden saddle trees. We have a, we produce 300 plus of those a week now, and we're supplying lots of manufacturers in Warsaw. So we're both a supplier to our competitors as well as them being competitors of ours as well. So we, we have to get along. And I think the industry does need you to work together because it's, it's, it's not a fragile industry, but you know, you are reliant on quite a small, supply a uh, small supply chain uh, of, of everything really if you think about what goes into saddles the buckles the metalwork the wood the steel components the leather you know it's quite a narrow band of suppliers that supply that so getting along and working together is is increasingly important yeah. so much so so much so that we 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 now go for a a monthly curry night some of the saddle makers of warsaw <laughs> to chew the to chew the fat and and just have a bit of a socialism but along with the social, we do talk about saddles and, and a bit about the industry and where it's going. So it's it's quite a good way just to, to chat about stuff. How lovely. It's like date night for saddlers. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you say that. It, it, it's interesting that you say that you're you're making 300 trees a week. Because I'm, no, yes. I'm not going to listen to anybody that tells me there's no money in our industry anymore. Because that means you're making... If you just base that on 40 weeks of the year, because ignore Christmas, let's take out, you know, a few weeks, you're making about 12,000 of those a year. So there definitely is money in our industry. It's just you buggers are getting all of it. We need to spread it out a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I don't know if if you've got a business consultant uh, to come and have a look at the the, the cost of running and the energy going into producing 300 trees a week on the margin that you can reduce it's not it's not a, it's not for the faint-hearted mm. the margins are quite slight um the average selling price of a saddle tree that goes into a saddle is about 70 quid 68 to 70 pounds now if, if you think that that it takes 24 people in one factory of 4500 square feet with 20 machines going on all the time every day day in day out it's a very very labor intensive process so the you know it pays for itself but it's 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 never we're not going to be living on a boat in monaco are we (laughs) no and maybe on the cut in in warsaw which is the canal in warsaw you might get a narrow boat down there but So, well, then I take that back, James. Um, and, and I actually, I thank you for doing it because it sounds like it's not that much of a, it is a rewarding role and it's a great part that you play in the industry because obviously we need the saddles. Yes. But yeah, it's not going to give you lots of nice holidays. No. Um, hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Well, thank you for that, James. Now, we, there's so much that we've got to talk about. I mean, for one, you, you support just a fabulous rider called Hayley Watson Green. Yes. She's an amazing great British dressage rider. And what a you know, what a deal, what a steal for you to be sponsoring her right now because she's doing incredibly well. Yeah, I think um we got on board with Hayley a few years ago now, um when she was she wasn't in the, the G B squad but she was a, a sort of an aspiring and and she she got squeaky her um, her main Grand Prix horse and they've just come on as a partnership phenomenally well and it's just a privilege to be part of that that partnership in some small way uh we, we go down and we check the saddles directly ourselves uh, we do the fitting of squeak directly ourselves um just to make sure that you know everything's uh you know tickety-boo and, and working well and squeak tends to throw the saddles off off the shoulder a little bit so it does require a bit of rebalancing now and again um, and it's just a quite a good relationship. And I think the biggest thing with a relationship with a professional rider is trust, um, mm. because you know it's it's their livelihood, it's their living, they're professional at what they do. So you know they want to get you know no nonsense, practical advice. You know, getting on with the job, providing her with a tool, the saddle to do the job that she you know that she's paid to do and, and promote what you know to get her as far as she can. And, and I think when you're working with these professionals, that's what it's all about. It's developing that, that trust in the relationship so that you're working for both the, the horse and, and the rider. Because obviously at that level, you know, but seat balance, leg position balance, uh, rider position is, is absolutely critical. So the saddle that we've developed is, is the, the HWGs, the Hayley Watson Greaves. And it's really a Marmite type of saddle because it's it's really designed directly and specifically around her. So the seat depth is around her. The leg position is, is where her leg will go, is where the, the knee block. Now, is that where it's supposed to go or is it where hers go? Oh, I bet hers go where it's supposed to go. Anyway. Yeah, it does. <laughs> it, it's it's her, her knee block is, because she's quite long hip to knee, it's it just the, the shape of the knee block is slightly different to, to how a standard block well where the standard these days what you'd expect from a traditional knee block on a dressage saddle so it's mm-hmm. just shaped and contoured to fit her and her leg position um she's not sort of typical her body shape's not typical of, of what our typical customer would be so it doesn't suit everybody but it allows her to perform and squeak to perform super as you as you, as you saw at windsor recently and uh, the nationals yeah. last year well, she's just doing amazingly well. And, and I am in love with her saddle because there's something about black and shiny and just looking pristine. She always is so fabulous. So, you know, congratulations and thank you for sponsoring her because ultimately 
without your investment? I mean, every time we look at sponsorship, I think it's very easy to say, oh, well, the rider's just getting something for free. Well, no, they've, they've got to give back too. And as a brand, you're investing a lot of money into that rider. I love the fact that you say, yeah, we found her before she was famous. It's like when you see a band and you say, yeah, I knew them before they were on the stage at Glastonbury. <laughs> yeah, I think it's, I, I, you always have to have a bit of luck with it, don't you, when you work with riders. But she's a really good rider and, and you know, she liked our, she liked our, uh, our saddles. We, we were introduced via Siren Sesta Saddlers, Lawrence Pierman, who's a, a master saddler working with the Society of Master Saddlers because um, she's just down, she's just north of Bristol in, in that area. Um, and she just flourished, you know. The, the partnership with them has just flourished, and it's been, you know, privileged to be part a small a small part of it, really. Mm, how lovely! So, James, how do I get my own saddle? How do I get the Amy Horsauer saddle? Because I can picture it right now. Okay, <laughs> what does it look like? It's a hacking saddle. Well, I don't want to tell you all my ideas because then you'll just go and make it, and it won't be called an Amy saddle. <laughs> but in, in my ideal world, I want my Jessica Pro dressage right. saddle that hooks me in. Um, right. But I want it um, just to have a little bit more, more. I think, I'd like it to hook me in a little bit more for hacking right. and possibly not have the knee blocks. And then right. I want the extending, because my horse is so high, I want the extending hunting um, stirrup, right. which you can hook back on because I, if I get off, I can't get back on. I have to walk home unless I find a <laughs> fence or something or a huge log to, to uh, jump okay. on. But um, okay. yeah, that that would be that would be my ideal hacking saddle. Well, the, 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 it sounds it sounds doable. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and do you know what else Not... I need? Oh no, no, okay. I haven't finished. Okay, so I need a hook um, to be able to hook. If it came with a little bag, that would be really handy. So I can put like a little bottle of water in there. My antihistamine because I'm allergic to life. Um, my <laughs> my telephone. Um, and if it came with a little emergency tag as well, so if anyone finds the horse, then it's on the saddle. And it says, "Call this number. He's lost." Right. <laughs> Uh, that sounds uh, eminently doable. Uh, I can put you in contact with lots of saddle makers that may do that for you. Oh, but you won't, James. No. <laughs> no we, we don't turn anybody away. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we take on all sorts of challenges. Oh, you're very polite. And I, and I thank you for rejecting me nicely. <laughs> so, well, well, massive congratulations. I think, you know, you're doing an incredible job. I, I'm just thrilled with my saddle. You know, like I said, five years. It was bought secondhand. I'm sorry I didn't buy it firsthand. But like I said, I didn't have a clue what I was doing. Um, now I feel more educated. I would still go back and buy, buy that saddle all over again because it's, you know, it's just done me incredibly well. Um, are you heading to the British Dressage Combined Training Championships? Because I hear through the grapevine that you have a bit of a bit of involvement with that. Yeah, we um, we sponsored it. We started to sponsor it last year. We felt that the sort of the demographic, the people that sort of would get involved and com- and compete and enter it, are sort of where we sell our products. Certainly in the UK market, it sort of it hits our demographic with sort of both the, the jumping and, and the dressage. You know, doing a bit of both. Um, and it, it, British Dressage came to us said that we're going to give it a bit of a kickstart again. And so we got on board and we, we sponsored it last year. And uh, I, I was at the finals. Um, it was just at the road for me in Yoxall. I can't remember the place where it exactly was in Staffs. And it was it was when the Beast of the East Mark II or Mark III hit. And honestly, it was the coldest day on God's <laughs> earth. It was, it, was a, it was a blizzard. It was freezing. <laughs> But these competitors came from all over the UK. There were people from Scotland there that came down to compete in the finals. 
They were doing their dressage test, no word of a lie, at four o'clock in the afternoon in a complete whiteout. You couldn't put you oh. see your hand in front of your face. And I was just standing there freezing, going, this is what equestrianism is all about. <laughs> the stoic competitor mm. get, getting stuck in. And it was so well received and people were so grateful that we'd, we'd sort of sponsored it and got involved in it. Um, got behind it, giving it a bit more credibility and put some money into it. So, you know, the prizes were there and, um, you know, we'd given some prizes to everybody that got to the finals, you know, girths and leathers and, and pads and stuff. Mm. And it, it just, it was just a nice, it was a nice day apart from the weather. And so, so much so that we've agreed to sponsor it again. I think we're doing it for two years now. Uh, and we were up in the ante. And, and I must admit, British Dress Shots themselves have been brilliant. They're putting more uh, more work into it and a, a bit more uh, work behind it to push it more. So, yeah, it's good. It, we're looking forward to it. They're great, aren't they, British Dressage? I think, you know, I think they're really forward-thinking and I, I love their, some of their ideas. And I, and, I, and I feel sad for them sometimes because their competitions, are ju- they just have everything there, you know? They have, they have internet there, they have coffees, they have drinks, they have them in beautiful locations. I was fine, you know, for example, at Hartbury, um, and I just wish more spectators would go and watch because it doesn't even cost anything to, to go and have a look at these riders riding. And I always learn so much just from watching them. Yeah, I, I agree. Some of these, some of these events aren't, aren't, aren't well attended from a, a sort of a public point of view. I, I don't know what it is. It's probably more to do with the wider equestrian community, I would have thought, than, than, than British dressage mm. per se, from a, from a betting man. Yeah. <laughs> well, J- James, it's really nice to talk to you and hear, you know, the voice behind the brand, because we see a lot of these huge brands and, and think, oh, God, what? you know, it's just nice to know that you're down to earth normal, you know? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're very normal here at Morsel. We're, we're, we're down with it, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you've just ruined your credibility by saying that. <laughs> I, d- I don't have any credibility, unfortunately. <laughs> So, James, I'm going to be really cheeky, and I think that our listeners, well, I just want to give them as much as possible. So would you be interested in doing some form of competition where our listeners could win a bit of ideal? Absolutely. Yeah, we'd, yeah. we'd, we'd support that, no problem at all. Amazing. Thank you. Around. Okay, well, you and I can have a little chat and say, oh, obviously it won't be a saddle. I mean, you know, as much as I love you, <laughs> it's, you know, I can't get that. <laughs> but maybe a girth yeah. or, or something yeah. like that. We'll, we'll have a little chat. Girth or leathers, yeah. Well, thank you. Thank you for joining us. Just before you go, do you think you could give us three tips yeah. on what we should be looking for in our saddle? Okay, so first and foremost, it's comfort for you, for your horse. If you feel when you're riding, something's not quite right. So you, you, you stand in your stirrups. So you stand in your stirrups and you lean forward. And if, if the front of the saddle collapses a little bit forward, it might be a little bit soft in front. There might need some padding. If you then you sit back in the saddle and the front pops up, you know, it, it, things might need changing. And don't be afraid of any changes. Don't be afraid if something's not working. It's probably because of the fitness levels of your horse. The saddle itself in Pepe doesn't change. The panels might soften, but it doesn't. Re- they don't really change unless they have an accident. So just you know, my first thing is think about balance for you and your horse. Don't worry if, if things become out of balance. Call a professional from the Society of Master Saddlers, someone that's qualified to come out. That's really important. Um, and three, you know, you can buy a six hundred pound saddle or a three thousand pound saddle is all about what's right for you and your horse. Don't you know? We go on, don't go on brand, but go on what what feels right. Feels really important and very difficult to measure. So if you've got the right person 
putting the right saddle on your horse. You, you you know when it's right. Don't don't always listen to what people tell you. Feel, get the feel. I think it's really important. Thank you very much for that, James. And I think and I totally agree with you. And I think for us as equestrians, I think it's good to educate ourselves so that we need to know what's too tight. Now, it doesn't mean to say we can all go and be saddle fitters, no. but I th- I'm going to share a couple of videos on YouTube. Actually, do you have any videos, James, of putting your hands underneath over the shoulder and just feeling there how tight it is? Um. I- the best, oh, the best one I think is with Kay Hastelow. If there's any that Kay Hastelow's got on YouTube, she's very good. She's a qualified saddle fitter through the Society of Mass Saddles. We haven't done any ourselves, but she, hers are very good through the Society. And really, what, Kay really, Hastelow. Kay Hastelow, yeah, she's an SMS yeah. qualified saddle fitter. And I'm sure she's got video on on YouTube. And uh, what okay. what you're looking for in the shoulder is you you run your palm of your hand down through the shoulder where the point of the tree is, and, and uh, I think the the exact description is that you know it should it should be a good contact but not super tight but you mm. you, you want to make sure that you know you're pushing down on the pommel of the saddle as well so you, you put some pressure down when you're putting the you're, you're running your hand down the point and it, again it's a feel i mean if, if you can't get your palm of your hand down between the panel of the saddle and the shoulder yours that is too tight um if you mm. can get it down and that you can waggle it around there's loads of space it's too loose it should be there should be you know, it should be a, a snug fit, but a, but a, a, without being really, really super tight. Like, you know, doing your belt up too tight after, you, you know, and then having to release it after you've had a big meal, that type of thing. Mm. And signs, horses will give you signs. If they start biting, yeah, they'll kick in their feet. You know, it's too much for them. It's too tight. Well, then I'll, I'll share some of those videos of Kay on. I'll have a look then yeah. and share some of those videos on Twitter so, sure. so we can have a go. And it's interesting that you say push the, push the pummel down. Yeah because I didn't know you had to do that. So I've been feeling with my hands and not putting pressure. Yeah, you need to put a bit of pressure down and have it yeah. and have the saddle girthed up as well. So it's, it's girthed. So it's, it's, it's replicating how it would be because obviously when the riders on board, things change, the dynamic of the fit changes. The, sta- mm. the static fit is a fit that the saddle fitter will initially do. But, you know, every saddle fitter should be working with a dynamic fit. So when the horse is in motion, because the saddle is a fixed constant between you as a rider moving and, more some more than others and, and the horse also moving some more than others so you, you know you do need to see that dynamic fit fit because that, that's when things change all the time james thank you so much for all your help today if we want more information then we can head to your website idealsaddle.com that's correct, yeah. and do you have a facebook instagram twitter account yes uh we're, we're on facebook we're just we haven't set up instagram yet we're getting there we're getting there it's 20, 2018 we should be there soon but we're certainly, we're certainly on Facebook. We've got uh, 3,000 likes. We're trying to get to 5,000. So please like it, like and share, <laughs> like and share stuff. There's some really cool stuff with Haley on there and our other sponsored riders, Silly Pearson, who's an 11-time Paralympic gold medalist and a oh. knight of the round to boot, who I've been working with since Sydney 2000. I started working with him. So, you, you know, we've got some good stuff on there. We're doing, uh, we're doing some interesting stuff with the, the household cavalry. We're making their drum horse trees at the moment and stuff. So there's, uh, there's some good stuff to see some interesting stuff to see oh well we'll definitely watch some of those videos and stay up to date and now you just give me a call when you're ready to make the amy horse hour hacking saddle okay <laughs> will do all right james <laughs> thanks so much i'll see you soon all right take care bye now Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to win an ideal saddle girth, 
then head over to our Twitter or Facebook page. All the instructions are there. Just head to at Horse Hour. Next week, I'm joined by Jason Webb from Your Horsemanship, and we're talking foals. How do we handle babies and youngsters? Because sometimes I think what we learn in the early years and the handling of young horses can actually help us with our older horses as well. Sometimes when it's all going wrong, you know what we do? We go back to basics. So Jason's going to give us a whole bunch of advice. Plus, amazing eventer Caroline Harris is joining us on Twitter and she's going to be doing a Q&A. So you can ask her next Monday at 8 o'clock. Just head to Twitter at Horse Hour. So get your questions ready. I hope you have a great week with your horse and I'll speak to you soon. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.